As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. I'm pleased to say that joining us now is Labor Secretary Marty Walsh off the back of this stellar jobs report. Secretary Walsh, the floor is yours, sir. Your thoughts on this one? No, thank you very much. This certainly is a great jobs report. When you look at the different sectors, uh, most of the economy has recovered. The jobs that were uh, that companies had pre-pandemic are all returned, so it shows good gains. Uh, we've showed some good wage growth. We've seen, shown good, good areas. Manufacturing is one of those areas that... Certainly, we've seen come back, not just come back to pre-pandemic levels, but go beyond that. Uh, I think with the CHIPS bill that was passed and, and signed, is going to be signed into law next week, uh, we can do more manufacturing in the United States of America, which in the long term will help us with some of the inflationary pressures, such as semiconductors and, and more microchips. Secretary Walsh, what a turnaround this has been since the pandemic. Can we just take a moment to think about that, how much we've recovered over the last couple of years? And can you talk to me about how sustainable you think these jobs gains might be? Well, I'll tell you, uh, pandemic, March of 2020, I was the mayor of Boston and we were shutting businesses down. We were shutting retail, uh, restaurants down. Uh, it, we didn't really know what the economy held. And thinking about where we are today was really incredible. And I think that this will, in my opinion, will be sustainable moving forward. I think companies are understanding. I think we're going to have a new type of economy. I think we're still obviously dealing with inflationary pressures. You talked about it right before we got on, on the air here. I heard you talking. And I think that, you know, we're going to adapt and adjust and we're going to move forward. I think that the infrastructure law that was, was signed into law, we're going to see more investments all across America on roads and bridges. I think with the CHIPS bill that, that was passed and move forward, we're going to see more investment in manufacturing. Hopefully, uh, the bill that's being worked on now in front of the Senate is going to be working on prescription drug costs and, and environmental climate change and, and some other areas is going to help. When you really think about a lot of what's happened here under the Biden administration uh, is something that we've talked about for the last decade or so. Uh, and these are all going to be good bills and good investments to move our economy and, quite honestly, move America forward. I know you've got a lot of people to talk to this morning. I did want to talk to you about the negotiations on the West Coast with the yeah. ports. 
this I was, was going to bring quote. it up. I know you are, because this was your quote last time we spoke. You said, next month, I come on the, if I come on this show, if we don't have a contract and we're not close to a contract, then you and I might be having a very different conversation. So I guess, do we have one? Are we close to one? Or are we no, having a very different conversation? No, we're not, we're, I don't know how close we are to getting a contract, but one thing that, that has happened in, since we've spoken and both sides have agreed is the health care. And that was a big sticking point. That's usually a big sticking point. The cost around health care and who's going to pay for health care. And, and that was negotiated and solved about 10 days ago. So I'm very pleased with that. Now they're on to the next phase of negotiation. Uh, and usually when you think about contracts negotiation, the biggest sticking point is around health care, pensions, things like that. And, and those are in the rearview mirror now. now. Now they're moving forward on some of the other issues they want to tackle. So I feel good where we are. Uh, I, I, if I said that, I, I probably should have used my words a little better if we don't have a contract by next month. But I certainly, I, I am very confident where we are in the negotiation right now. I am not concerned. Uh, and I stay in very close contact with both the, the, the Longshoremen Union and the companies on the ports to, to offer any type of support we need. But every time I talk to them, they say we're moving forward. Secretary Walsh, for some people who might not be that confident as you are, they might not be familiar with how this works, with this particular set of negotiations. Have you said before, this particular one's a little bit different because it only starts yeah. six weeks before expiration. Can you help us understand things a little bit better by comparing it to 2014, where we were then at this stage and where we are now? Well, I think we're, we're further along than we were in 2014. If I remember, that took an awful long time to get done. But just for people that don't quite, quite understand collective bargaining or, or, or negotiations, usually you can start months ahead of time to lay down the foundation for a contract. In this particular case, it's six weeks before the termination of the contract, which means it always runs over the expiration date. I don't think they've ever had a contract done on the expiration date itself. Normally, you want to shoot to get a contract by expiration date. But what both sides have agreed to do in this case have continued to agree to keep the current collective bargaining agreement in place while they negotiate moving forward. There's been no, no conversation of strikes, lockouts, slowdowns, none of that stuff. That hasn't even broached or brought up and talked about. And that's the thing that I don't think will happen in this negotiation. And I'm going to continue to, to talk to the sides and where I need to put pressure on them. Certainly, this is a, a big, big issue for the ports and for products coming into the United States of America, and quite honestly, for exports out of the United States of America, too. So we, we want to make stay very close to that. Myself and General Lyons, who's the liaison at the White House, has been in constant communication. We talk more than we talk a couple times a week, but we have a scheduled call just to go over where we are, just so we can stay on top of these negotiations. Secretary Walsh, a monster jobs report. It's the final question for me for Boston. Do we need to see some labor turnover at the Red Sox? <laughs> oh, God, I get myself in trouble there. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, although they seem like they, they didn't make any many changes, so uh, they're going for something, so they, they must be going for that wild card spot. That was from Mike McKee and Tom Keane. They were pushing me to ask Secretary Walsh. They had to go there. It's good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you. Thank Labor you. Secretary Marty Walsh there on just a killer jobs report. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more, Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. 
Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Again, tape negative 200 and the down on negative 141, a little bit of improvement. We'll see where that goes uh, through this Friday. We continue with Tiffany Wilding of PIMCO, their chief U.S. economist. Tim, Tiffany, I want to talk about something that's harder than it sounds, which is the physics of inertial force and momentum and the idea that a trend gets inertia. The trend is going to be higher interest rates. Explain how the next rate increase is different than the third or fourth rate increase out. Um, well, so I, I think that, uh, you know, it depends on the level of interest rates that you start at. So, um, you know, before July, the most recent FOMC meeting, for example, you know, we would have argued that interest rates, the level of interest rates was still providing accommodation to the U.S. economy. Um, and that was increasingly inconsistent with economic fundamentals, you know, which we would even argue before July and before this payroll report, we're calling for more restrictive monetary policy. So the July increase of 75 basis points from the Federal Reserve basically just got them out of accommodative territory into something closer to neutral. Although I think you could even argue that maybe they're not neutral yet. Um, But now what the focus is on is really recalibrating to where we need to be, which is in restrictive territory. You know, so that's why we think Federal Reserve officials are probably also going to do another 75 basis point rate hike uh, Mm. at the at the September meeting. You know, but ultimately, eventually they will slow the pace of those uh, adjustments down. um, But as they get closer to kind of where they think they need to be on on the restrictive side. Tiffany, I'm looking at the uh, two-year and the 10-year treasury yields. I see a 40 basis point inversion. Do I need to pay attention to that? I'm just an equity analyst. Do I need to pay attention to that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so historically, you know, what we call the yield curve, what you just mentioned, has been one of the best leading indicators of inflation. Um, and then obviously today, in reaction to the data that was released, the employment report, you saw, I think, even more inversion in the yield curve. So maybe the market's pricing in more of a uh, recessionary outcome or a higher probability of that event. I think that's right in terms of market reaction. So although this report confirmed that the economy was not in recession in July, um, it also suggests that the Fed needs to do more to tame inflation. And that means tighter financial conditions, putting more pressure on the economy, which just raises the risk uh, of, an, you know, of a recession, call it 12 to 18 months out. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a growing concern, certainly from us and probably from others, that the Fed will have to do more than just 
um, produce below-trend growth to get the economy to cool down. Uh, you know, if you look at, um, you know, historical uh, precedents, you know, in the 70s and 80s for this, the Fed actually had to engineer a, a recession, or at least recessions did follow these kinds of high inflationary episodes. You know, so it's certainly possible that, you know, if the Fed wants yeah, to bring but, down inflation in quite quickly, they might have to do more uh, okay, than below-trend fine. growth. But back then, and I spent a lot of time looking at log proportional change of the curve inversion this oh week, boy. Tiffany. And we're not going to go there on August Friday. But Tiffany <laughs> Wilding, when we were doing that in the 70s, the 10-year yield was what, Paul, 9%, 11%, whatever. I, I don't see the equivalency to the Volcker period. Do you see that? Well, I think what you have to do is, uh, you know, you have to adjust for the fact that, uh, you know, what we call the, the real neutral interest rate in the economy. So kind of the interest rate uh, that the economy can handle, right? Where, where is uh, monetary policy accommodative or restrictionary? And that, that level has declined over the years. Um, so it was much higher uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, the, you know, the model suggests we can't observe this in the market, so we have to try to estimate it. It was much higher than that it is now. So you do have to adjust for that. You know, so we don't think interest rates are going back to where they were back then. Um, but nevertheless, we think the Fed will have to be restrictive at this lower level of, of interest rates now. So, Tiffany, 5.2% wage increase, that sounds pretty good to me. Is that something that you think is sustainable, sticky, healthy? How do you think about the wage environment out there? Well, you know, the, you know I think the, the bottom line from that is that although wages, wage inflation has started to accelerate, you know, of course, it's still below uh, yeah. price yep. level inflation. So people are, are still getting squeezed. Uh, if you look at, you know, the kind of data in aggregate, what, what we see or interpret is that, um, you know, more people are getting jobs. So overall, aggregate incomes are still growing, um, you know, and they're growing much more in line with, with uh, inflate, uh, prices, uh, price inflation. Um, you know, so maybe people are getting two jobs to deal with. Uh, you know, to get some extra income to deal with these types of uh, price increases that they're seeing in the grocery store, et cetera. Uh, you know, but I think overall you're asking if, if the, wage, the wage numbers, is that, is that normal? I mean, I think the concern still that we have is that as you get more price increases, people negotiate higher wages, the wage inflation broadens out, you know, and then you get even more, uh, you get higher prices as co companies pass on those additional costs. So you get in this kind of yeah. spiral situation. We don't think we're there yet, but certainly that's something the Fed right. will want to avoid. Tiffany, thank you so much. Tiffany Wilder with PIMCO. Let us get a briefing from someone who sat at the desk in the Eccles building. Randall Krosner continues with us, a former Fed governor at Booth School, Chicago. Randy, how does this change the calculus for the Federal Open Market Committee? I think it's really clear that they are on a path to continue to raise those rates. Um, certainly 75 basis points will be on the table for the, uh, uh, for the next meeting. Uh, the thing is not only the strength of the labor market, but it is also uh, the, uh, uh, the significant increase in wages, uh, higher than expected upward revisions. Um, the Fed really worries about inflation expectation becoming entrenched. They're really hoping that inflation is going to be coming down below 5% fairly soon. But if people are still demanding 5% wage increases, that gets them into a lot of difficulty. And so that's why they're going to continue to move. I think this means that they'll, they'll certainly be in the fours by early next year. And as I said before, I think it's going to be there for a while. And exactly as Jonathan had said, when the Fed moves the rates up, it's not that they just 
pivot and pull them back down. They typically keep them up for a while because they really want to stamp inflation inflation expectations out of the system. Randy, someone's got to ask this question. Does this pass the smell test for you, a number this big? I mean, there can be always revisions. You never want to put too much emphasis on any one month, but you got an upward revision last month. You have a strong number this month. Um, the Fed is not going to overreact to any one number, but you know the upward revisions to um, uh, that, that came last month with this will certainly embolden them to uh, to move uh, expeditiously, as they have said. And I think they're going to get at least. To, uh, I think it's going to be very close to four by the end of the year. By the end of the year, Randy, can you talk a little bit about the path? You did mention earlier that you expect them to go to 4% for the Fed funds rate and stay there for a while. How long is that while and what will determine that length? So it's going to depend a lot on uh, these these are statistics that we're, that we're getting. What's going to be happening in the labor market? What's going to be happening to to wages? And um, you know, right now we're not seeing the economy going over a cliff. And this is exactly the time that the Fed needs to be moving quickly. Um, the the economy hasn't sputtered yet, so they uh, they need to move. But also, they haven't gotten the political pressure on them yet, uh, because the unemployment rate is at near record lows. So this is the time to be raising rates to try to stamp the uh, inflation expectations and inflation out of the system. Randy, you're going to throw me out of the classroom, but I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to raise my snarky arm and say, Professor Krosner, where's the neutral rate? And I say that with great respect, because within all the back and forth of all our guests in that, it's when does this become painful, which means through the neutral rate. Where's the neutral rate, Professor? I always knew you were the troublemaker in the back of the class, um, and, uh, and you continue to be. That's exactly, that's a very important question, and one where um, the consensus of the Fed, uh, what they say is around two and a half, so roughly where they are, but that's two and a half when they think of inflation being down at 2% in the long run. In the short run, when inflation is still very, very high, um, you still have a very a dramatically negative inflation-adjusted rate. So two and a half is not neutral right now. In the long run, it might be neutral, but it's still quite expansionary when inflation is, um, you know, is well, depending so on are your you, measures. Are, are you giving up I the mean, Chicago it, school and joining Adam Posen with a 3% inflation level? Is that really what we're talking about here, is we need to adjust the neutral rate higher? No, no, no. I'm not saying that the, the goal should change from, from 2%, and I'm not saying that uh, that – in the long run, they're not. Um, I think they're right about the, or it seems reasonable that they are in a reasonable range for the for the long run. But in the short run, you can't say that two and a half percent is neutral when inflation is eight percent, and uh, so you have a you know very significantly negative real rate. So it's there's sort of a long run versus short run kind of thing. Hey, Randy, awesome to catch up, Randy Krausner. There, nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang, 
Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. To make sense of this stunning report, Jeffrey Rosenberg joins us, Portfolio Manager of the Systematic Multi-Strategy Fund at BlackRock. Jeff Rosenberg, let me cut to the chase. How do you do multi-strategy with such a shock? It is a bit of a surprise. Clearly, you guys have hit it uh, on the head with uh, you know good news being being bad news, and and it's surprising strong. And it's a reminder of just, you know, how strong the economy is. We're expecting an eventual slowdown, uh, but it's not here yet. And uh, Lisa and I were talking about this uh, ahead of time. You know, what does the market do on a on a big upside surprise? And so the narrative going in here from the FOMC was the Powell pivot. And this is the payroll pushback. And the pushback is they're not going to be able to pivot as aggressively as the market was expecting post that FOMC. And that's what you're seeing with that yield curve flattening and the big increase in the front end of the rates. Right. And then on risky assets and equities, you know, they don't like that because they like, you know, the end of the Fed right. tightening. And as Randy Krosner was, was talking about, if inflation doesn't come down, we are nowhere near neutral. And so you've got a lot more Fed hikes if you don't have that inflation coming down. Jeff, I've got a bunch of dweeby bond questions for you, but I think it's important that a large population of our radio and TV audience worldwide don't have fancy financial degrees. And they're asking, what's wrong with generating 556,000 jobs with the revision? Why is so much good jobs formation a bad thing. I just don't get that. Yeah, well, it's it's about it's about overheating and it's about inflation. And one of the challenges that you have uh, is in this report, you, you see a lot of signs of that wage inflation and the wage price spiral. Uh, that is is really the bigger risk here that you, you transition from covid supply side disruptions, transitory to something that's much more persistent. And the risk is that inflation hurts everyone. And if you don't snub it out early, the pain that has to happen later is much, much greater. And so that's why good news is bad news, because for financial markets, it means the Fed is going to have to do 
a lot more and is going to have to do that sooner. Tightening financial conditions to rein in the demand side is the only tool they have to address this inflation concern. So, Jeff, we were talking uh, before we got these numbers that the Powell pivot would turn into the payroll pushback, which is exactly what we're seeing. And that was your expectation just based on how uh, lopsided the markets have gotten in their belief of the pivot. How much have we unwound of that? How much more do we have to go? And I say this as we look, yes, at NASDAQ futures down about a percent and going lower, but still well off the lows after surging over the past few weeks. Well, there's a, there's a narrow reaction to today, and then there's a, a longer run issue. The narrow reaction is, as I looked at it last, about 17 basis points. You know, you're, you're taking back, you know, a little bit less than 25 that you uh, priced out following the FOMC and the Powell pivot. Uh, but the bigger issue is really what Randy's talking about and what Summers is talking about, that, you know, to say that, that we're at neutral, uh, we're at two and a half percent is 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 conflation. It's the difference between the long run neutral, which is really what he was talking about, and the issue of the short run. And and this is the issue we're going to be talking about for the next six to nine months, which is we're past peak inflation. We're going to see inflation decline. But to what level? Because the forecast in the Fed to say that they're at neutral, as Randy was just saying, is that's a 2% inflation rate. If you don't get to that 2% inflation rate, say you get to a higher inflation rate of, say, 3%. Well, what it means is that you're nowhere near your long-term neutral, and the whole bond market expectations in terms of where rates settle in have to reprice, because what we're pricing right now is a 2% inflation, a 2.5% long-term neutral, and that's all conditional on the realization of that 2% inflation rate. Jeff, this is a sea of uncertainty, and we're getting little nodes that might point to a direction of travel. Where is your conviction right now as you tweak your portfolio, as you try to understand where the risks are mispriced in markets? Yeah, you know, you know we're a little bit uh, skeptical of the, of the rally that we've seen in risky assets. Uh, we're still concerned that you, you have uh, a both a shock in terms of inflation, what we're talking about here today in terms of what the Fed has to do in front of that, tightening financial conditions, not being conducive for risky assets. Uh, so we've been a pulling back from our risky asset position. We didn't add uh, in, in the rally that we saw in, in July. It's important to recognize that when you're in bear markets, they don't go straight down. They have ratchets. They have bear market rallies. That's what most people are characterizing the last uh, up move here. That's a fairly consensus. We're a little concerned that, that we're in the consensus camp there, but we think all the data is pointing to still considerable challenges to the risky asset profile uh, going forward here. So it's a little bit more cautious view what, on what, risky assets. What about your portfolio of cash? I know that BlackRock has been adjusting its cash and holding a higher than uh, usual level of it. How have you maneuvered in that space? Yeah, you know, I mean, every portfolio and portfolio management team runs, you know, their own portfolios. In our uh, fund, as Tom introduced at the beginning, you know, we have run higher cash levels. Uh, it's it's a way to to reduce some of the risky asset exposure. The other issue that all you know investors are facing in this summer environment is it's been a, an exceptionally illiquid environment, very expensive to trade. 
Uh, and so using cash as, a, as opposed to other means to bring your risk down is, is just a more efficient way of reducing transactions costs and, 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 and retaining value for our investors. What do you do on duration here? As a general statement at BlackRock, what do you do on duration? You guys are going to have 20 of you in a meeting. Yelling and screaming is going to assume. You know, we just we just understand that. Probably Kosterich will be rude. I mean, that's just usually the way it is. But then Jeff Rosenberg, what's a duration call? Well, I think the duration call, you know, I'll speak for our, our team. Obviously, as you highlighted, there's a lot of different voices. and You're going to hear some more voices in Jonathan's program uh, in the next hour. But uh, it's still a cautious view on, on, on duration here. Again, that's the view of the uncertainty of inflation. Markets are pricing certainty. We're going to have a clean path to 2%. We are more skeptical about that being realized. And if it is not realized and you end up with higher inflation, the whole bond curve, inflation, risk premia, uh, they need to reset higher. And so you got to be a bit more defensive on duration with that uncertainty. Uh, Jeff Rosenberg, thank you so much. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio.